0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of The Five Count here on Wrestling and More, the show where we count things down, all things wrestling. I am joined once again by Garth Jackson. How are you, my friend? Brilliant, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all, not too bad at all. An interesting week in the world of wrestling, I think it's fair to say. We've been Mm. away for a while, but we've chosen a fantastic topic, a very relevant topic to count down today. What we're going to count down, ladies and gentlemen, is we're going to count down debuts, Okay, these can be the most impactful, the most hilarious, or things that have continued a legacy or have started a legacy. You will see that this is a mix of our favourites and things like that. Especially number ten. Okay, these are not to be taken as before. You've just remembered our <laughs> number ten, haven't you? <laughs> um, these are not to be taken. Similar to our favourite wrestlers, these are not to be taken as a greatest of all time list. Again, need I mention Bray Wyatt? So. Do not take it as such. Do not go into the comments and say, what about such and such? Because they're not on the list. Because this is just our list. Because we enjoy doing it. So, Garth, are you ready to start? I am. Okay. What we've done is we've I chose five, Garth chose five, and we amalgamated them into a list of ten of the of our favourite debuts. And we're going straight in at number ten with the Shockmaster. <laughs> what? <not? laughs> <laughs> just and straight can't get
1: away of that video. say again just can't get enough of that video that
0: that it's just, uh... oh it's it's one of those videos where you can see a career die isn't it <laughs> <laughs> i feel i mean ottman is an absolute champ for yep. trying to oh, rescue God, yeah. that i mean but... even
1: if he had even if he had pulled it off it's ridiculous. It's a stormtrooper
0: helmet painted silver. <laughs> he was. But what makes me laugh is Ott- Ottman did an interview after we will get into this entry in a minute, but he did an interview um not long after because didn't he ch- he was he was the shopmaster. Mm. And then wasn't he the super shot master as well? Yeah,
1: where where they sort of turned it into a bit of a joke, didn't they? Yeah, wasn't he a builder or something? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Which was just brilliant.
0: <laughs> it's <was> just <laughs> It must have been the quickest death of a character ever. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, What a way to kill a push. But obviously, he was in the WWF beforehand. Uh, This is in 1993. Um, As part of the Natural Disasters, uh, he was rebranded from Tugboat into Typhoon. He left WWF to join WCW, Pastures New, and he was due to make his debut in a War Games match uh, as part of the fan-favorite team of Sting, Dustin Rhodes and Davey Boy Smith against. Right, let's see if we can remember this now. It was the team of Sid Vicious, yeah, Kane and Cole, not WWF. Kane, obviously, and Sid. No, no, Sid Sid. Who's the other one? Vader. Vader. And uh, the way (laughs) the face (laughs) team obviously only had three men. Yeah. And on A flare for the Gold, which was the Ric Flair version of Miz TV, which was 10 times better, uh, in front of a live audience at Clash of Champions, uh, the Face and Heel teams came together. And... Oh, God. I've written this down in my notes. Sting says, all I have to say is our partner is going to shock the world because he is none other than Shockmaster. <laughs> to which, before... Anything happened, <laughs> the entire crowd went, who? Because <laughs> they were expecting, you know, Hogan. Yeah. You know, it could have been Flair himself. No, it's the Shockmaster. Shockmaster. <laughs> the entire crowd, this <laughs> on this section, just went, "Bloody hell's that?" You could just hear, You
1: could hear the sort of, huh?
0: Like yeah. The, the, just ridiculous. It was brilliant. Oh, it was fantastic. And then one of the greatest botches ever. The camera zooms to a wall uh, which is obviously papered over and this absolute monster comes (laughs) there's fireworks (laughs) this monster crashes through the wall only the top part gives way and it's Frank Hartman in this ridiculous puffy feathery vest crashing through the wall because the bottom part doesn't give way (laughs) so he falls through the wall he's wearing a stormtrooper helmet it's, it's a stormtrooper helmet WCW have done nothing to attempt to mask the fact that it is a stormtrooper no, helmet no, apart from put some glitter on it <laughs> <laughs> and he falls out of the wall straight on his face the helmet comes off it's absolute chaos <laughs> Otman <laughs> gets his bottom half through the wall rams the helmet back on his head everyone in the segment is creasing up with laughter you're going from... to hear Rick play <laughs> he's just going oh god oh god what is it Vader who swears really loudly I think is it Vader or Sid <laughs> but then but then Harlem Heat are standing there as well and they're just completely poker faced <laughs> which is amazing. It's the best bit of acting I've ever seen Booker T do. And, oh, it's <laughs> it's one of the most memorable debuts in wrestling history. You know, the, the, not for the character, certainly not just, for the legacy of the character. Just, oh. I but, mean, and Sid Vicious is
1: doing his best. He's just going absolutely crazy. He's yeah. screaming at the top of his voice, shouting at him and then the I mean to top it off the actual Shockmaster's voice
0: oh yeah
1: it's played it's like a dub but it's played live so obviously he's trying to act out as if he's saying those words but it's just it's so hokey it's so (laughs) it's so
0: ridiculous but it's just so good (laughs) (laughs) do you know what (laughs) how long has it been since 93 now We're looking at twenty-four years, twenty-four years, and it's still—I would argue—the funniest debut in wrestling history. It's—it's one of the most memorable uh, WCW moments, without a shadow of a doubt. And that's including, you know, all the great stuff that WCW did before its decline. Mm -hmm. But there's—it takes a lot to be a man in a stormtrooper helmet. I just think I would, love, <laughs> I would love
1: through. to have seen what happened backstage oh, after that. Can because you imagine the legs of Flair were going ballistic? Yeah, but can you imagine
0: being the person who constructed the wall? I mean, to explain oh, yeah. to people why it didn't <laughs> give way to a man who weighs three hundred <laughs> pounds? Did you not think to gimmick the wall first? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he said, um, like I said, he did an interview shortly after this, Altman. Frank Hartman's and um, he said, "Yeah, they gave me this helmet. They didn't put any eye holes in it, <laughs> so <he's laughs> blindly putting his arms up against this wall, trying to find the soft spot. Obviously, not really realizing the bottom bit is not gimmicked to collapse. Absolutely, just it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's oh, it's incredible. Is what it is. Um, so yeah, starting strong." In this, in this episode of Count Out. <laughs> uh, count Out? In this episode of the Five Count, sorry. Um, gimmick infringement there with Stephen Larson. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But we shall move on to number nine and on to slightly more serious debuts. Number nine is Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, I believe it was you that chose Shinsuke Nakamura, Garth, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you like um, to explain why?
1: Specifically is... is- Um, his SmackDown debut. Because I know his um his debut on NXT against um, Sami Zayn was like massive because it was his first proper entrance.
0: Yeah,
1: and he had that amazing theme tune, which I still think is possibly my favorite currently in the the whole of the WWE. Mm. Um, just such a great tune. Um, but when he came to the SmackDown, he had the live, um. Violin player. Um, it was against the Miz, who was also dressed as John Cena at the time. Oh yeah, because they were doing that <laughs> skit, um, and his face was just so—he was just looking as if to say, "Well, who's this clown?" Yeah.
0: Um,
1: while dressed as John Cena, <laughs> but um, I just it just that—you could just see the sort of the charisma just oozing out of uh, Nakamura. Yeah. Um, just. And, and then when the music kicks in and the crowd starts singing it it was I, I remember watching it and getting goosebumps because it was so good it was just, you could everyone was so into it it was brilliant
0: yeah to be honest with it happening after Mania as well mm-hmm. you know it's such a special time to debut yeah. and Nakamura <laughs> I'm loath to say is at the moment because of how he's been booked on the main roster but he was definitely one of the biggest names the WWE had signed in many many years Um, you know you look at his um, his tenure in New Japan he was he was strong style Mm -hmm. you know he started the Chaos stable which obviously is now being headed by Okada Mm -hmm. he's he was a massive massive deal and when the WWE announced that they'd signed Shinsuke AJ Styles and then Gallows and Anderson you thought oh my life yeah this is going to be incredible Um, and then obviously Bullet Club or the Club, as they were rebranded, debuted on the main roster. Shinsuke um, went into NXT um, and had, in my opinion, the match of twenty sixteen, the WWE match of twenty sixteen. Anyway, definitely up there. Yeah, yeah, at Takeover Dallas versus Sami Zayn. It's critically acclaimed, um, an absolutely fantastic match, and it's. It was the announcement of Shinsuke Nakamura. He won the title soon after uh, from Samoa Joe, I believe. And, you know, the fan response to him, you know, the charisma, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. was just oozing out of him. He uh, he he was such a massive deal. And to have him in yeah. NXT, that was the <laughs> moment for me that NXT could have been WWE's third brand as opposed to yeah. a developmental territory because they had the, like, well
1: like you say they had some more as well yeah and then they would soon get Bobby Roode yeah um, st- arguably the best tag team division as well
0: oh by an absolute mile by an absolute mile um, I mean you look at the tag team the state of the tag teams now <laughs> and um, you've got the Bludgeon Brothers debuting in leotards and hitting GoPros <laughs> with clay hammers so you know, it doesn't take a lot to be better than. Them. Though I will say, I did actually enjoy that. I did actually enjoy their debut match on SmackDown. <laughs> um, but Nakamura, the only thing I will say about Nakamura's debut and the reason it rate, ranks so low on this list is just because of WWE's inability to capitalize yeah. on the momentum of Shinsuke on his debut.
1: It's, it's, there's just, I think it's just there was too many people swimming around the top end of the the roster and the Vince ultimately has the final say, and he doesn't see him as that level with the others. I don't know if it's because he's Japanese, but history would probably tell us that it is.
0: The fact he's not, you're all American-American. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, you look at what is going around the dirt sheets at the moment about his disdain for Finn Balor, and his yeah. apparent inability to, to draw, which is... Utterly ridiculous! Um, insane. I mean, the reason he's not drawing, or you know, in inverted commas, not drawing, is because you're booking him like crap. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been jobbed out to Kane for God's sake. What possible <laughs> momentum does exactly? What possible momentum does Kane need? You know, he's a part time, running for mayor of somewhere in Tennessee. What <laughs> on earth is he going to do with a WWE run? But, it just seems, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean. the same thing with
1: with Balor like he was a big deal in NXT he was was. selling out he was selling
0: tickets for their shows which took them to that next level anyway you look at anything Finn Balor will be able he should be raking in merchandise money Mm -hmm. just the demon never mind I mean he's got nice looking merch anyway that Balor club shirt's brilliant (laughs) but You know, aside from that, he should be raking in money anyway. He's a fantastic wrestler. His Mm -hmm. stuff as Prince Devitt in New Japan is absolutely astounding. His heel work is amazing. His promo work is amazing.
1: As the sort of good guy, sort of stand up against everybody, doesn't give up. Sort of Cena, like he, like uh, Babyface, he was massive. Yeah. Such a, and then when he turned heel, and he was a really sort of cocky guy and. And then he only busted the demon out for the big, big shows. And,
0: and I that's think what that's,
1: he needed. That's I think um, WWE are trying to get too much out of that demon side as well.
0: Yeah, they are. They are. We we'll see, we'll see it too often. And with building on the demon, they're crushing Finn himself, which is what NXT never did. Finn yeah. was strong anyway without the demon, but we're digressing massively. I'm sure we could talk about failed NXT call-ups all day, <laughs> but... um for me, one final thing on Nakamura. Um, we mentioned about WWE failing to capitalize somewhat on his, on his debut. I will say that he was booked relatively strongly in the survivor series, main event. Um, obviously Shane was the sole survivor on the SmackDown side because he is the strongest wrestler. Um, (laughs) he has the most skill, you know, Mm. look at those punches. Um, Please don't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but the way they handled his main roster debut match, you know, they built and, built and built and built and built and built to his debut match at Backlash. And it was against Dolph Ziggler. And it was to be critical, a bang average match.
1: Yeah, it was pretty flat,
0: wasn't it? It was it was very flat. Um I just Nakamura should be treated. Like the jewel in the crown of SmackDown Live. You've got AJ Styles and you've got Shinsuke Nakamura. They should be occupying the top spot on SmackDown. Not Randy Orton. Okay. He is very old now. He's had his time. He crushed Bray Wyatt. Thank you, Randy. Okay. You don't need, he's crushed Rusev. You don't need to be there anymore. He's main eventing SmackDown again next week, where I'm sure he'll crush Kevin Owens with one RKO from nowhere. Yeah. Because he's a one dimension pony. Just dull. It's just it is predict- predictable and dull. Exactly. So Shinsuke Nakamura anyway, on to more positive yep. things. Shinsuke Nakamura at number nine. I'm gonna let you introduce number eight, um Garth, because this is all you, my friend. This is all me, yes. Um this was at the time
1: a huge, huge deal because this person had left WWE in sort of on bad terms. Um, But then when he turned up at TNA on the announcement videos and things, it was just a massive shock and they built it and built it and built it. And he came up against probably his best opposition was Samoa Joe. So it was
0: um, number eight will be Kurt Angle's TNA debut. Okay. Um, I mean, personally, it's nice to have you on the podcast, Garth, simply because you know so much more about TNA in its history, and mm-hmm. than I do. I, I follow Impact sort of now, um, but I never really followed it in its in its glory years, um, in the mid two thousands. And yeah.
1: it's I, that. I mean, two thousand between two thousand five and two thousand nine. I would say that it was the best wrestling product um, from a wrestling point of view. Um, that was a time when you had. Cena running the whole of WWE basically. Yeah. And that just became so predictable and dull. Um this was just so I mean, if you watch the video, the commentators make it sound such like a like such a big deal. Um he comes out with his flag and all the pyro and everything, and TNA didn't really have a lot of that at the time either. No. So it was this big sort of bombastic look who we've got and the crowd went absolutely crazy bearing in mind it was the impact zone which the crowd could be quite diluted because some of them would see two shows at once yeah because it was all taped very flat very tired yeah but when he came out it was it it was massive it was huge Um, and it it did it took that promotion to that next step to the next level everybody knew who Kurt Angle was Mm. Um, and the debut I mean he came out did his thing got face-to-face with Samoa Joe, head-butted him, <laughs> bust his eye open, um, slammed him. I'm sure he slammed him onto the belt, if I remember correctly. Um, and then they had a big brawl afterwards, and it was just perfect. You could see Joe was enjoying it, because he had someone who would go toe-to-toe with him, so quite stiff. And they were le- leathering in the shower of each other as well. <laughs> just brilliant, and, and f- for what it sort of, what it became on his, his run, just, it was, to me, it's, bar the odd sort of match in WWE, I think it was his best, like, matches was in TNA, yeah. with the likes of AJ and Joe, and even the stuff he did with, um, like, Bobby Roode and uh, Sting, and the stuff like that, it was just... I don't know. It, was just, it was an exciting time again with wrestling. It hadn't been that exciting for a long, long time.
0: No matter where Angle was going to go, that promotion was going to get a huge boost. Because yeah. even in uh, 2006 when he'd left the WWE, um, I wouldn't say it was under acrimonious circumstances, but Kurt was under a lot of um, you know, pressure with, drugs. obviously, his neck, his drugs that he was taking to help with his neck. He was... Yeah every injury seemed to be his neck because a lot of it was down to the fact they wouldn't give him any time off to heal yeah he didn't so want time right. off to heal though that's the thing he was such yeah. an I mean machine yeah the Kurt Angle Homecoming um, documentaries are really eye opening mm-hmm. um, it really is about how how much of a passion he had for the business and still has for the business but when he went to TNA um, there was some who thought that you know that it was, it was a bad reflection on TNA. They didn't have any care for Kurt yeah. Angle. Others just saw this as a huge step up for TNA, which it, you know was doing was. was doing well it was. for it. You know, doing well for itself. But they'd never had a name like Kurt Angle, and Kurt Angle, like you say, produced some of his his best work in TNA. You know, his matches against uh, Samoa Joe, because obviously at Genesis he ended Samoa Joe's undefeated streak. Yeah. Um, you know, his met his the Iron Man match. That he had with Joe, um, he had the cage match with um, AJ, yeah, which was absolutely sensational. And
1: he had an absolutely brilliant cage match with um, Jeff Jarrett,
0: yeah. If you've got um, a man who can do a moonsault off the top of a cage, <laughs> you've you're onto a winner. And yeah. Kurt Angle's moonsault is a thing of absolute beauty, similar to Charlotte Flair's, but <laughs> yeah. Kurt Angle's a lot older and with a lot more broken bones, so he should not be able to do the things he can. But I agree, Kurt Angle bought TNA to a level they were never, ever, ever going to get to without him. Um, and it's it's unfortunate now that, you know, Impact or GFW, or whatever they're called today, um, <laughs> is in the state it's in. Because they were, briefly, a force to be reckoned with. Oh yeah, they were definitely
1: the number two, but... I think they've been overtaken now. I think Ring of Honor has probably overtaken them.
0: In the um, US, I'd say New Japan's probably overtaken yeah. them as well New now. New Japan, yeah. yeah. Because of you know their shows in Long Beach, the G1 special at Long Beach. Yeah. And the fact they've got the the New Japan world as well, so That's anyone to a lot watch of people, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I did an article on the website about five reasons now is the best time to start watching New Japan. Mm-hmm. And, you know... TNA doesn't come close. Impact does not come close. You look at their roster now, they're leaving by their tens. You know, there's been something ridiculous like 40 releases since January. It's just mental. It really is. And you look how paper thin their roster is now. It is.
1: A lot of them are on multiple promotions now because they obviously can't afford
0: to keep them. No, absolutely not. And, you know, when you're having to pay out 50 quid per person to get people to come and watch your shows, you know, asking them to bring signs that mm. they've made themselves. It's just it's it's a sad state of affairs. It really is. But briefly briefly Impact Wrestling were up there. And yeah. Kurt Angle was. Not solely, obviously they had a lot of talent, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles coming through, but he gave them a massive boost. A massive boost. Brilliant. Number seven, and this one was me, is Goldberg's debut in the WWE. Now, Goldberg was one of the big omissions when WCW invaded WWE in that really, really successful angle um, (laughs) where loads of top talent from WCW came over. (laughs) Um, Sean Stasiak. (laughs) <laughs> um but um Goldberg as many of the top talented wCW were under contract with time Warner and um, wWE were loath to buy out those contracts so missed out on quite a few yeah. Goldberg wrestled briefly in Japan um obviously this absolute monster who had the kayfabe unbeaten streak uh which ask us broken <laughs> um but you know in those days you watch Goldberg and he destroyed everyone he was legitimately terrifying well if you watch him I mean if you watch his WCW debut he doesn't even have an entrance
1: he's already in the ring as the sort of well you would say that's like the job entrance yeah absolutely and he absolutely manhandles um, I can't remember who he he fights but the guy really lays into him yeah He's obviously thinking, "Well, I'll teach you." And then Goldberg says, "No, I'm going to teach you." Picks him up in that jackhammer, and this guy's must be 300 pounds easy.
0: Just slams him. Yeah, I mean the strength of the man, the absolute strength of the man is just unbelievable. And when he went to Japan, a lot of WWE fans were upset. They wanted to see him in WWE. Obviously, who wouldn't? Um, started well. There was it had the people. Bring in the signs and things like that, yeah, absolutely. You had chance, mm. um, but eventually he left Japan. And, um, in 2003, at the end of 2003, uh, rumors started to circulate that he'd signed, um, and he did in March 2003. He debuted um, on an episode of Raw, it was the night after WrestleMania 19, I think. Um, yeah, it'll be 19. And he interrupted a rock promo, <laughs> which was just absolutely outstanding. The rock was in full flow yeah. uh, having beaten Steve Austin. Um and Goldberg came onto the Titan Tron. You know, the crowd started chanting Goldberg. You had the iconic Goldberg entrance yeah. and the rock's face throughout it. Just was, yes (laughs) absolutely
1: I'm sure at one point he starts to sort of back against the rope as if he's going to get out but then he
0: changes his mind he sells it so well and that is how you make a star I mean Goldberg's already a star but you know you have a person in the ring who's legitimately terrified that you are going (laughs) to hurt him and you know people are going to pop huge and they did pop massively To debut him at the Raw After Mania, which is, you know, almost as big an event as Mania. You know, it's where big things happen. Um, But uh, he got to the ring, The Rock puts the microphone to his lips. Uh, You just see Goldberg say, You're next. Absolutely Mm -hmm. spears The Rock out (laughs) of his shoes, who is still one of the best sellers of the Stone Cold Stunner ever and sold this like an absolute champ. Um, From there, a rivalry with The Rock, which was the best way you could possibly debut Goldberg. You don't want to see him destroying jobs. You want to see him destroying um, stars who were all already justified, who were already big names. Um, And that's what he did. He was was fantastic. Um, Obviously, it all went downhill from there. Um, His (laughs) year in the company was not... Was not without trouble. Um, he was one of the most famous casualties of Triple H's burials with his yeah. golden shovel. You could tell it was. Um,
1: it was also a sort of
0: your WCW man. Eh? Let's teach you a lesson, and it
1: was. Yeah. Yeah. You could you tell it. You can tell it wasn't clicking with him and
0: and the the whole company. You could, and I think. To a certain extent, WWE have never gotten over WCW talent for that reason. I mean, to the yeah. for the same reason as the network is not showing the Starcade special. Really? No, it's, it's they say they will make no. Uh, it's going to be no profit for them to air Starcade. Why call it Starcade then? You've got Ric Flair there. You've got Dustin Rhodes. You know, you've got huge names. You've got a title match in the steel cage. You know, you aired Roadblock when it was a (laughs) network special. Why not air Starcade? It's just Vince McMahon going, do you know what? Just to remind you, Starcade, um, WCW used to be a thing, and I crushed it because I'm Vince McMahon and I've got huge bollocks. And it's just pettiness as well. It is, it is, and it's a shame because it was pettiness like that that led to Goldberg leaving literally almost a year to the day after his really, mm-hmm. really fantastic debut. Yeah, because it was after the mini, wasn't it, with oh. Brock? Which we've covered on wrestling worse matches. Um, yeah. It's it's a laughably poor match. But, you know, can you blame Goldberg for wanting to leave the company, really? No, not at all.
1: And the thing is, he didn't even, he left and that was it. He just severed all ties, didn't look back.
0: Yeah, I until,
1: mean. Until last year.
0: <laughs> which was a far better run. A far yeah. better run with the company, and well, that was how really Goldberg's first WWE run should have gone. Um, but alas, it didn't. Goldberg left the company, effectively disappeared off the face of the earth for 10 years, opened a gym for all accounts, did extremely well for himself. Still looks incredible considering he's upwards of 50, 50, or 51 or 52. Yeah, that I'll tell you what. Anyone who can pick Brock Lesnar up at fifty—that's <laughs> fair enough by me. Yeah, um, speaking of Mr. Lesnar, I tell you what—I'm getting good at these segways, God. I'm getting <laughs> really good at these. Um, number six is the original debut of the beast incarnate, Brock Lesnar. Now, this is another one of your entries, God. So, do you want to talk us through it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's another one that's sort of
1: another one that doesn't have a big flashy entrance. Um, he just sort of comes in during a match it's a, I think is it a hardcore match?
0: I believe it's a triple threat um, isn't it?
1: with um, it's, well it's Maven <laughs> we uh, all love Maven it's Maven and I think Spike's in there Spike Dudley and Al Snow and Al Snow yeah yep. and he just comes in and absolutely just demolishes them all I think yeah. I mean I think the F5 he gives to Maven just he almost goes through the the ring <laughs> Uh, he gives. I think he gives. Um, he gives Al Snow a power bomb into a, um, a bin. <laughs> I've forgotten about that. And then stupidly, uh, Spike tries to jump off the top rope at him. <laughs> <laughs> so he just absolutely just picks him up by the, the scruff of his neck into a sort of well, like a last ride power bomb, and again
0: just plants him through the ring. Just, I mean. Spike weighs about twenty five pounds as well. Yeah. You know, and may even just... done away much more. But it, it, even it, it, so
1: all the all the while
0: Paul Heyman's at the side shouting
1: again, again.
0: Yeah. And the WWE built him massively. Massively. I mean, let's face it, heel brought Lesnar's best brought Lesnar. Yeah. Um, face Lesnar's boring Lesnar. You know, he's at his best when he's destroying convertible cars with axes. Which is still one of my favourite Brock Lesnar uh segments. Um but you know, even after that, they didn't halt his momentum at all. He absolutely took apart the Hardy Boys, didn't he? Um, I think which was his feud after that. Um was those clotheslines lines he used to give as well. Just Yeah, he was legitimately stiff, wasn't he, with some of them. Oh yeah, definitely. Um and when he when he you know, I'm loath to say roided out, but when you could see it in his eyes and his neck and he was going you were like oh my god Yeah, I know he's like 4,000 miles away from me at the moment but I am quite scared of this man yeah you know you can tell he has a sort of like
1: a real sort of intense mean streak yeah absolutely he's just absolutely. the type of guy that would just give you a look and you're just right okay I'm, I'm gonna stop
0: yeah he's the kind of guy who makes his fruit salad with a shotgun yeah <laughs> Have you seen or that? A, uh, or a combine harvester? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's even when he's laughing, he's a legitimately scary bloke. It's isn't he? It's, it's like a sinister, evil sort of. I'm going to get you next. Laugh. Yeah, it is. And um, you know everything. Everything they did for Brock Lesnar's debut led to him being a massive massive thing and when you think when he left the company in 2004 you know same time as Goldberg he left to have an extremely successful NFL career with the Minnesota Vikings Um, he he was still a huge draw a massive draw and then he came back after stints in Japan and stints with the UFC where he proved he was actually a scary ass man legitimate badass yeah
1: he lost I mean, his first
0: match, but you know once he got used to the ring and things like that. Good God, yeah, he's like someone had put a shark in shorts. <laughs> it was terrifying, absolutely was pr- terrifying. And it, I mean,
1: I think if not for him, the the UFC wouldn't have got the way it was because a lot of the
0: the wrestling fans took it on because he was there. Yeah, absolutely. He's the most successful wrestler by an absolute mile to transition into the UFC. Yeah, I mean Lashley's tried it. Batista's tried it. Uh, I know Alberto oh. Del Rio. Does he? Angle try it. I think Angle tried it briefly, um, but I don't think he was anywhere near as successful as obviously, no. or you know, didn't bring oh. it as as much Fred into Puck. the mainstream as Brock did. Um, does Del Rio own Bellator, or does he own an MMA I promotion? I think he owns one, doesn't he? Does he? I think he owns. One. I don't think it's Bellator. I think he does own one though. I'm sure he does. What does he run one? apparently has quite a bit of a mean streak so Del Rio yeah oh god yeah I wouldn't want to mess with Del Rio no. good god no 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 no. I mean unless I was brought Lesnar I can mess with anyone if I'm Brock Lesnar <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes we um, and then his return where he absolutely destroyed the living hell out of John Cena yeah um, before Extreme Rules 2011 uh, was it 2012 I think it was 2012 um, I just absolutely destroyed Cena and then Handed Cena his most devastating loss at SummerSlam, where he effectively destroyed him like a jobber. Yeah. Which totally. was just oh. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Um yeah, potentially he's a bit boring now. Um, you know, I think
1: the Goldberg thing was good. I think with with Brock Lesnar now, he has to really feel it. Yeah. You can tell when he's sort of just going through the motions. Yeah, I, I mean, think his the match with AJ kind of proves that. I think the uh, the Goldberg stuff really sort of lit a fire on him because I don't think he would have done that job for anyone.
0: No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, to, let, to let himself be destroyed within three minutes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, he must have known that he was going to get something out of it. Obviously, who wouldn't? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, to get to to get to get losing in three minutes, he's got to respect his opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, speaking of Brock's opponents, number five, the phenomenal... AJ Styles, and where to start with this man. Um, he debuted at the Royal Rumble 2016 uh, number three and the WWE in true WWE fashion uh, because they can't let us have nice things. Um, we saw the screen that just said, I am. Mm-hmm. And then we had a huge close-up of gormless Roman Reigns. <clears throat> <laughs> so we heard a massive crowd pop. And we oh. had no idea what was going on. Um, but as soon as the camera panned to Mr. Styles, it was it was absolute pandemonium. Um, it was it was incredible. Um, you know, as you walked to the ring, you've got amazing thoughts in your head. You've got, wow, look at what amazing dream you, matches we can have are, now.
1: I going to say, you're, you're already fantasy
0: booking it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you... Similar to Omega and people like that, he can pull anyone to a great match. Case in mm-hmm. point, Jinder Mahal, when he won the WWE Championship this time, Jinder Mahal is an average wrestler at best. Um And AJ pulled him to a decent match. Brock, who has been, as you said earlier, going through the motions, AJ pulled him to a great match. His series against... John Cena, which are John Cena's best matches, Yeah, that's it, yeah. you know, because John Cena was having to pull stuff out he would never normally do. No, absolutely not. It's his best matches since his CM Punk match at Money in the Bank 2011. He had a, a good match with Shane.
1: Was good. Yeah.
0: Um, the only, the only blemishes I can say because they aren't, they aren't big things, but his series against Kevin Owens. Yeah, had, when you
1: expected them to be better than they were, yeah.
0: Yeah, it had such potential, and for it to fall so flat as it did and obviously it was a vehicle to set up ko versus shane even so they should have put on better matches than they did they didn't um it's a the shame debut, but...
1: the debut itself though was because well personally I, I hadn't I'd avoided all the spoilers and everything I didn't watch it live but I'd avoided everything so it wasn't a genuine shock yeah because there was there was sort of whispers and rumors but I never ever thought it would happen
0: no those rumblings pardon the pun um (laughs) that you know obviously this at the same time that Shinsuke and Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson were coming and for AJ Styles who was at the time possibly the biggest name that wasn't in WWE Mm -hmm. um you know the leader of the Bullet Club coming to WWE you know at the Rumble I was the same as you I had no idea he was going to be there um it was just incredible and it's one of the entries on this list where thankfully the WWE haven't stunted the momentum you know they've really let him go with it he's now a two time uh, WWE champion he's won the United States Championship so you know he's a decorated WWE wrestler now and rightly so because he is without a shadow of a doubt the best wrestler in that company Definitely, yeah. There's there's no one that can touch him.
1: And he's pretty good. I mean, promo-wise, he's not great, but he's still good at being either a heel or a face. Yeah. Because he, he can be quite sympathetic when he's getting beat down. He's, he's still really good at selling, but then when he's playing the sort of
0: cocky I am the best heel, it really works because
1: you know he is actually the best.
0: I mean, his stuff with Cena, when he came out, he's wearing the armband around his head. <laughs> you know, that was amazing. That was great yes. stuff. It was absolutely amazing. Um but he was he's just absolutely fantastic. He really is. And his debut was perfect, apart from the shoddy camera work and us <laughs> seeing Gormless Roman Reigns. I pop from the crowd was oh amazing. phenomenal. Again, and I, of the
1: I I popped as well. Like it's not often I sort of do now, but when that happened, I was sort of oh yes,
0: brilliant, get in. Yeah, all, all my life is this right. Is this actually happening? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but he's given us so much in his you know it'll be two years at this year's Royal Rumble and next year's Royal Rumble I apologise and he's done so much he's provided us with so much it's a pleasure to have him it really Mm. is and he's a pleasure to watch every time he steps into that ring and you said earlier about him being you know not being the best on the microphone potentially but when you're as good in the ring as he is and you carry yourself with the gravitas that he does you don't need to be as... Oh, yeah. You know, you don't need to be as good as Kevin Owens on the mic, you know, if you're as good as Kenny Omega in the ring. Mm-hmm. That's you know, it, yeah. all you've got to do is show up, put your hands together, and then put your arms out wide, and <laughs> everyone will pop. So, yep. you know, you know it disproves Dolph Ziggler's whole thing of you need a gimmick to get over. So, yeah. <laughs> AJ Styles, our number five. Moving on to number four. Um, this is... We're now getting into really, really iconic debuts now. Um, And for me, this was the most impactful debut in years. Um, And this was the Nexus. Um, The Nexus was um, a stable made up of uh, upstarts from NXT, NXT was not the NXT that we watch now. It was a game show, which was crap. Um, But the NXT rookies decided that they were going to join up and destroy everything and everyone unannounced until they got full-time contracts with the WWE. (laughs) And it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, They debuted um, on the June 7th. Episode 2010 of Raw, uh, they debuted during the main event a gift between Cena and Punk. I've got written down here. Um, it was nice that they'd all got, already got merch on, um, which was <laughs> nice. Um, but it was Wade Barrett. This is where I've forgotten to write it down. Probably should have done. But you've got people like Wade Barrett, Daniel Bryan, yeah. uh, Skip Sheffield, who would <laughs> later on become Ryback. Um, you've David got Otunga. David Otunga um you got Justin Gabriel uh Heath Slater um Darren Young Darren Young so you know there was what we would now see as you know big-ish names and they just absolutely laid waste to everyone <laughs> um John Cena yeah, the ring announcers the you know take they called up the ring. first don't they yeah they took out everyone they took out absolutely Everyone. Um, they took out Jerry Lawler. Uh, they took out Matt Striker, um, Justin Roberts, who was then strangled with his own tie, uh, r- which unfortunately got Daniel Bryan a very, very short exclusion from the WWE. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, it was amazing. It was a shot of adrenaline was... that the WWE needed. Yeah, it was something that would, you'd never seen, and
1: and with the marquee man as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. With the Big Cena. Yeah, and then obviously they beat up um, Bret Hart as well. Yeah, um, you need to be careful with Bret Hart, obviously. Um, <laughs> don't don't hurt Bret Hart. But they were just they were brilliant, and the numbers game worked really well. They overwhelmed ever. They ruined everything for everyone, and you know you had to sit up and take notice. And in a short amount of time, they were so over with the crowd which, you know, they had gained sort of momentum from this debut, which was, you know, what they wanted. Um, they started that whole thing where the sort of surround the ring,
1: then all get up under the apron at the same time, then all step into the ring at the same time,
0: which The Shield does now. Yeah, absolutely. It's made famous by The Shield. Yeah. Which, you know, again, it proves that their debut kind of inspired modern-day factions. Mm-hmm. Um, which is amazing. Unfortunately, again, we spoke about how AJ's debut, the WWE capitalized on that momentum. The Nexus is perhaps one of the greatest examples of WWE's booking inadequacies. Um, Obviously, they were squashed by Cena, and it was only Cena, um, at SummerSlam of that year, where... Team Nexus were defeated by Team Cena. Cena Mm. eliminated two men, having taken a DDT (laughs) headfirst onto exposed concrete. (laughs) Explain to me. Explain to me how that is possible. Super Cena at that time, wasn't it? It was the unstoppable force. It was, and it's... It was at that point that a lot of people started tuning out of WWE because the Nexus... Had everything to gain from winning that feud. Um, yes, Wade Barrett went on to have a couple of championship attempts, uh, but never claimed the gold. Um, but it it really did kill all of the momentum dead, all of it. Um, Cena's come out recent, you know, quite recently, and said it was it was a huge mistake. But that's not going to help the careers of the people in the Nexus I mean there was uh, quite an alarming photograph on social media that said that the only person of the original Nexus who's still with the company you know wrestling is Heath Heath Slater Yeah, yeah. and (laughs) if you'd have said that at the time what the one with the ginger wavy hair behave yeah Um, the rock star yeah the bang average one what Um, but the WWE at the time was Cena or Bust and it was that single-handedly which drove a lot of fans away myself included I stopped watching wrestling around that time Um just because I was sick of seeing stuff like that that's you know what, yeah, stuff that's, like that stuff we... like Cena beating Mysterio for the title after Mysterio had had it for an hour and a half mm. you know and having st- won his first title I just hope they don't do the same thing with Reigns and do that make him yeah. superhuman they're going to I mean unfortunately <laughs> it's once Vince has an idea in his head, there's no way you're gonna change his mind. Um okay. I mean the man's a lunatic. The, the <laughs> man is a certified like nut job. He doesn't like sneezing. Really? Yeah, that's a well known fact about Vince McMahon. He does not like sneezing because he can't control it. Shows weakness. Jesus. <laughs> yep, he thinks you only need three hours sleep if you sleep for longer, it's slobbish. <laughs> The man is an well, absolute nutcase. I mean, he's in pretty good condition for his age, I suppose. He's in fantastic condition for his age, but I reckon it's because he's a robot. <laughs> um, he's an, he's just yeah. He is yeah. There's just there's no words. There's no words. If you can if you can punish a man for having his hair cut, then you know <laughs> for this long. If you can punish a man for touching you, you know, then it's. Uh, poor Titus poor Titus, poor Titus. Oh, no. um, but yeah The Nexus uh, one of the most unfortunate tales in WWE history um, they are number four on our list moving to the top three now we are looking at extremely iconic debuts now and number three takes place in 1997 and it is of course Kane The Undertaker's kayfabe brother and <laughs> um, I mean, for me, uh, we stated on the previous episode of The Five Count that um, Kane is my favorite wrestler. Um, he is the most... I hated using that word in the last uh, podcast. I've managed to stop myself saying iconic quite as much this podcast. Um, <laughs> but his debut is is iconic. Um, you've got this man who looked so different to the rest of the roster at the time. Um a roster that was trying to transition into the Attitude Era um, coming into this match that's absolutely sensational the match between Shawn Michaels and Undertaker to main event bad blood in the steel cage is just it's incredible that was a really um, good match yeah. fantastic match and then to have this debut it's been kind of billed for weeks by Paul Bearer mm-hmm. um, and then just hearing Jim Ross go that's gotta be Kane <laughs> and he walks to the ring and you know he's got a mask on and he looks ripped and he he goes
1: sort of toe to toe with um, Undertaker, and he's actually slightly bigger than him, Yeah. from what I remember. And you just think, holy shit! What? Yeah, I mean, because up to that point, Taker was the 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 big
0: the big one. He was the, the sort of the leader of that. Yeah, I mean, you're talking, you know, pre Big Show, pre Paul White. So you know, Undertaker was effectively the tallest and the broadest wrestler on the roster. You know, we'd just been shown a 30, 35-minute match where he'd been tossing Shawn Michaels around like a rag doll. <laughs> and then, the whole ring up as well? My life, yeah. Shawn Michaels was a mess. Um, and then suddenly this man comes to the ring who dwarfs The Undertaker, tombstones him, having ripped the cage door off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the door was off its hinges. It pulled the chain off. You know, he just looked a legitimate badass. He was brilliant. You and know, it just... It, he- He came in, tombstoned, walked out. Yeah, just didn't say a thing. And that was what was beautiful. There's too many wrestlers who are keen on saying too much, a.k.a. Enzo Amore. (laughs) You know, you don't need to say words to make an impact. And Kane did just that. I mean, good God, he's had some awful storylines, you know, since that debut. And perhaps some would argue that he deserves more than he's gotten. Um. I personally find it absolutely you know astounding that he's only had one championship run with the WWE belt. Yeah. And that run lasted for one day. It's it's quite astonishing when you think about it really it. and the gravitas of the man. Um but the debut is certainly one of the most iconic of the attitude era and probably of modern WWE. Yeah, definitely. Um and that's all we can say about it, really. It's a short entry, but that was his debut. And mm. we all know what's happened with Kane since. Yes, he's been corporate Kane, which was interesting. <laughs> it wasn't um, too bad. I mean, he...
1: He was he funny, sort of,
0: but... He sort of ran with it, at least, I suppose. He did. Oh, he's given... Glenn Jacobs has given absolutely everything to every character that he's been. I mean, for God's sake, he has been the Christmas creature... You know, a man dressed as a goddamn Christmas tree. And then I have to explain to my girlfriend why I like wrestling. And I've just said that sentence out loud.
1: (laughs) She's going to be downstairs
0: going, he's talking about a man dressed as a Christmas tree. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he was Isaac Yankum DDS. He was Jerry Lawler's dentist, for God's sake. And he was fake Diesel. You know. That's that's probably the worst one. (laughs) It really is. When they Diesel. announced, when they announced that they got Diesel and Razor Ramon back, and there's a wonderful interview of Scott with with Scott Hall and uh, Kevin Nash, and them watching it uh, mm. on Nitro at the back while they were waiting to go on, and they're like, "What? <laughs> we're <laughs> here!" Um, and obviously they, oh yeah, it was it was all done so
1: seriously as well, though. Yeah, it was. It was like Vince was like, "No, we're going to do this, and we're going to
0: they're my characters. I'm keeping them." God, it's it's awful, <laughs> really is awful, um, but yeah, thankfully, uh, Glenn Jacobs kind of progressed through that, became Kane, had this unbelievable debut, um, was billed as this legitimate monster, you know, through till about two thousand and one, then the stupid things started to happen, you know, the Kane of Rooney, Katie yeah. Vick. You know, his first words being, "If I don't win the title, I'm going to burn myself alive." It's a bit intense, Kane. Um, and then
1: the the unmasking,
0: the unmasking with the with the ginger beard and the the ginger little fro, which was which was lovely. It's the um, it's the selling of it. It's the Jim Ross as well. He's hideous. He's <laughs> like, mate, it looks better than I do, and I'm only thirty. Um, you know, and then he's had, like we said, um, you know, we went to therapy. Um, team Yes,
1: Team oh, Yeah, no.
0: team, team Hell No, to be fair, was probably the best thing he'd done for a while. Um, but, you know, now he's just, he's back. The Billingham's are His mask's crap. His mask, it, you're not going to beat the original mask. No. Um, but yes, Kane is our number three. Goth, I'm going to allow you to introduce number two <laughs> and number one, so please feel free. Who is number two?
1: In number this
0: two category? is probably the
1: most... I would say that the most shocking debut in the fact that he doesn't they don't debut as they turn out to be, so it's it involves Hulk Hogan. So it, number two is going to be the NWO's debut on um I think it was Bash at the Beach.
0: Bash at the Beach ninety six, yeah. July seventh um, where
1: it's um the Macho Man is being laid out by um were they the outlaws at the time? They were the the outsiders, Hall and Nash outsiders, the outsiders, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um Hogan comes down to the ring, does his takes his top off, all the crowd are going crazy. It's Hogan, it's Hogan, he's here to save the day. Then he drops that leg drop on Macho Man and you, you can see the the crowd, everyone just it just drops.
0: Yeah.
1: People have kids are crying, the people have got their heads in their hands, and then he drops another one. I think does he do three leg drops? He does a few, yeah. Um and then they come in and they do the whole hand clapping and things, and then they, and the crowd go absolutely mental.
0: Yeah.
1: It's when they start throwing all the stuff into the ring. It just it, it's just such a good such a I mean it's the best heel turn
0: ever, bar none. I mean, this is because... a man who was all For, about drinking your milk 20 years eating your your prayers (laughs) eating your vitamins saying your prayers yeah he was Mr. Mr.
1: WWF at the time and then he became Hollywood Hogan well in Hollywood and then he became the real Hollywood Hogan in WCW yeah where he got that nice black stubble Um, but it was just the fact that he aligned himself with Hall and Nash
0: yeah I agree And,
1: and I think I i can't remember if it' right, but at first he doesn't call it the New World Order, does he? He
0: it's, calls it the New World Order of wrestling. Something like that, yeah.
1: Rather. But then obviously he gets turned an NWO, and their run was the best thing at the time in wrestling. Absolutely. When they were coming out with the spray paint and spraying everything NWO, and then it got a bit bloated and silly.
0: Um, yeah.
1: But that original, and then, because c- during that debut, when he turns, it's Mean Gene comes out, and he gives such a good promo as well. Um, it just, it's just, he, it's like he's flicked a switch. Yeah. And he's become this, like, badass. And the best bit is, because uh, I rewatched it not too long ago, and uh, Scott Hall's doing all the Hulk Hogan poses in the ring while he's giving the promo. <laughs> and the crowd are going absolutely, just throwing, like, full sort of cans of pop, or oh, it's cans of something. Yeah. That's when everything they can. That, that's, to me, that I think that's one of the last times you see real, real sort of heat. Yeah, real legitimate heat. Yeah, this um, is like, how could you possibly do this, Hogan? How dare you do
0: this to us? This was so different to anything that had ever been seen in American wrestling. Um, and for it to be Hulk Hogan, the icon of 20 years, was was just it nobody expected it at all you know it we talked before we came on air about how it was originally supposed to be sting um but hogan seeing a money train kind of went nah i've got to be on that you <laughs> know his, his character had been stale for a while people were bored of him in wcw people have been yeah. bored of him you know in wwf before he left in 93 uh, so but to have this new dimension to his character and we spoke obviously about kane um throwing himself into every character he was given. Hulk Hogan gave everything yeah. to this heel especially that first couple of months run where it was just the three of them. Even when it was the five when the Giant joined and mm-hmm. Ted DiBiase. When they joined those original five, that was when the NWO was the hottest shit on TV. Yeah. Um, everyone knew the NWO, even if you didn't watch wrestling, you got people walking around you know cities in their merch mm-hmm. you know you've got people flocking from WWF to watch WCW and WCW were absolutely annihilating WWF in the ratings you know WWF where oh, you yeah. still got people like The Goon Wrestling <laughs> you know you would still got all these cartoon acts wrestling in the WWF um, and then you've got this cool you know things that you know young people were into mm-hmm. It was really it was edgy. Just, yeah, it was. It was. Sort of... That's the best way to describe it. Edgy, and even before Hogan joined, when it was just Hall and Nash, mm-hmm. you know the most. The bit I remember is when they were taking out all the talent backstage, and uh, they were in like a porter cabin, and.
1: Uh, I still remember
0: that. Yeah, and um, Ray Mysterio Jr. So Rey
1: Mysterio gets absolutely just smashed oh, against. It's my favorite it's bit. bit.
0: <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, he co- He goes for a uh, like a crossbody off the stairs. And uh, is it nah? I think Nash catches him on his shoulder and then just javelins him into the side of the porter cabin, which is just incredible. And then Randy Savage, they get into a limo, drive off, and Randy Savage is holding on to the top of the limo, isn't he? As it drives off. I forgot all that. <laughs> which is just amazing. Um, I mean, obviously, we talked about um, it becoming a bit bloated and silly. Um, the the end of, the problem with the NWO was the NWO. Um, they yeah. got too big for the... It was the brainchild of Eric Bischoff. Um, but the problem was with Eric Bischoff was that he didn't know when a good thing had run its course. Yeah. Um, he thought that the best thing for the company was to keep the NWO going when the NWO was killing his company. Wrestlers, there was huge discontent with wrestlers because they were constantly yeah. having their matches and their titles taken by the yeah. NWO. Uh, when they were wrestling, the matches were being thrown out. When there were titles I mean, on the line, the, 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 the NWO would win because of, you know, the numbers game. And they had, at the end, half of
1: the NWO weren't even wrestling.
0: No, yeah, exactly.
1: H- Hogan rarely even wrestled. Towards the end, it was just all the others.
0: Yeah, Hogan only you wrestled
1: the, at pay-per-views. Then you had the Wolfpack.
0: Oh, God. The Wolfpack um, in Hollywood. Yeah,
1: and it was just... Yeah, it was just the whole roster at some point just seemed to be NWO.
0: Yeah, and it was a shame because it had been such an amazing thing, and but they'd given creative control to too many people yeah. for it to be sustainable, and that was the problem. The wheels fell off, you know, became bloated, and then eventually the talent that WCW lost ultimately cost them big because the WWF realised what WCW were doing and you know with DX and things like that mm-hmm. did it better and killed it off at the right time which is what they should have done with the NWO but when the NWO were hot the stuff they were doing was just incredible and oh, yeah. aside from perhaps Brock Lesnar um, who's the only other entry on the list that I can think of the NWO crossed into the mainstream The best because, like I said, their merch flew off the shelves. It's still one of the coolest wrestling shirts ever, (laughs) still one of the coolest logos. Yeah, their public service announcements were amazing. (laughs) But that moment at Bash at the Beach, where Hulk Hogan, you know, the Hulk Hogan, turns heel, drops the leg, tells Gene Oakland to get everyone to shut up. Yeah, you know, you've got litter all over the ring. You've got Hall and Nash taking cover. Yeah. You know, you could see what was happening. And it because of the impact it had on wrestling in general, it was just incredible. It really and then, was.
1: And then I mean even the the sort of W W E run wasn't too bad. It was it brought in that sort of black and white entrance and all that sort of thing and that was really good. Um Hogan started coming down with that feather bow.
0: (laughs) That feather bow. Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh god! Obviously he
1: had that match with The Rock, which was sort of an offshoot of the whole NWO thing.
0: Yeah, that was um, the start of another Hogan face turn, wasn't Mm -hmm. it? Um, The whole WrestleMania 18 match. It's, again, a fantastic match. Um, But again, it was the end of the NWO as we know it. Mm -hmm. They had the problem with Scott Hall being fired, Nash being (laughs) perpetually injured because he's got glass for quads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, they didn't run into the best look in their WWE run. It wasn't the worst. You know, but again, WWF for some bizarre reason fell into the same hole as WCW did by adding more people to it. You know, they added X-Pac, who needs to be in every faction apparently. Um, Shawn Michaels, for some strange reason, was in it. um, Which made no sense, and just they kept adding people to it. And Mm -hmm. then eventually it was just Big Show and X-Pac, and then (laughs) eventually it kind of disbanded, but again, that debut and for what it did to wrestling and for how it brought wrestling kicking and exactly into the mainstream, what it did to the fans, you know, it's one of, if not the best debut. Yeah. Definitely the best heel turn ever. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. But in our minds it's not number one. It's no. not number one, people. And I can imagine people are now screaming, screaming, saying, why is this not number one? Because it should be. You know, for what it's done, it should be. And it probably, like we said, is the best heel turn without a shadow of a doubt. And we've talked about what he's done for wrestling, what how he brought wrestling into the mainstream. But who have we gone for number one for, Garth? Number one is... Y two G Chris Jericho. This is an abs- This is this is my favorite debut. Yeah, my favorite debut from a personal point of view. Um, it's absolutely amazing. Um, we this is one that we both chose actually uh, mm-hmm. when we bought our lists to each other. Um, give us your reasons first, Garth, and I'll kind of piggyback um, on
1: it. Well, I mean, they built up. the built it up for quite a while um, obviously it was just the turn of the millennium or just about to be the turn of the millennium so it sort of was just perfect for the, the whole countdown and the save us thing and um, and it was the fact that you, you had no idea who it was all you ever saw was this countdown clock mm. um, nobody knew who it was and then the rock's in the ring again the rock uh, being in, um, interrupted um and then you just the lights go down, you just hear that that vroom, vroom yeah. the, the numbers and the music kicks in and then he's just standing there and you just think everything was perfect. It was the perfect time for that gimmick. He was the fir- perfect person to pull it off. Absolutely. Um, and he pulls out those those words. The first thing he says is welcome to Raw is Jericho.
0: It's just it's phenomenal. It's amazing. And he has
1: that silly little hair.
0: The pineapple thing.
1: Yeah. But everything about it was just and I mean he he hadn't really done much in the WWE anyway. I think he'd mainly only done really sort of like dark matches.
0: Had he I don't think he debuted at all, had he? Had he he wrestled at all or did he just wrestle dark
1: matches? Had he done some sort of heats or something like that? He might Um, have done something, yeah. But this was somebody who nobody really knew anything about they didn't really mention anything to do with the fact he came from WCW either, but everyone immediately jumped on it. Yeah, the crowd went crazy when he was out there when his name came up, Jericho, and everybody went crazy. And you just straight away, you just you knew there's something here. That this is this is a special sort of like talent.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I spoke about in the NWO entry about how people were well the the top talent at WCW weren't thinking about how the impact of the NWO was affecting the other wrestlers. And Jericho was a, a huge example of that. Yeah. Um, frustrated by, you know, lack of creative direction because WCW didn't care if you weren't NWO for life. So, And he's
1: even said he, he could have sat there and took the, the big paycheck.
0: Absolutely. But to have a man as talented as Chris Jericho is, both on the mic, you know, his list of a 1,004 holds Brilliant! It's just yeah. Oh, it's just an that, absolutely amazing one. The fact
1: that it goes when he did that, and it goes into the the break, and they come
0: back, and he's still <laughs> it's reeling them different off. Different names for arm locks. Yeah. Um. You know his feud with DiMolanco. Um. It's just it. It proved that WCW had a star there. Um. They had a, had a Lord, and they just didn't have a clue. No, they couldn't use him. They couldn't use him, but. I don't think there has been a better use of vignettes to debut someone and to build up for that long. And like you said, to build on that whole Y2K thing, which you look back on now and you laugh at, but people were genuinely, genuinely afraid that planes were going to fall out of the sky and things like that. Um, So to play on that and to debut in the way he did, to interrupt, of all people the rock who was probably Mm -hmm. you know approaching the top of his game in 99 that's a Um, perfect
1: person as well
0: absolutely and those two verbally jousting were absolutely amazing you know and you look at the the rapport that they had Mm -hmm. you know even later on when they were on smackdown and they were insulting stephanie mcmahon (laughs) which is if you haven't seen it youtube it's incredible it really really is because um, they don't hold back either. They really don't. They really don't. Um, it's it's probably not if you compare it to the NWO debut. It's probably not as impactful, like in the mainstream. Yeah, cause, cause it's not. It's like name value with the NWO. Exactly. You know, everyone knows the NWO, but a single wrestler. You know, it was the first big name that had transferred from WCW to WWF. You know, I think the the only real name I can think of before him was uh, Mark Mero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who obviously brought Sable like over. That, he did, yeah. yeah. The best thing about Mark Mero was Sable, which tells you something. <laughs> um, but, you know, the way he debuted, the use of those vignettes, the pop of the crowd... That first opening line, which everyone knows, you know, who he debuted against. Everything was perfect. I mean, his run immediately following his debut was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, he wasn't wrestling properly, he wasn't wrestling his best, he was being chewed out by the rest of the locker room, and it took him a while to get, you know, to fall on his feet, so to speak. But had he the looked. feud with China. He did have the feud with China, yes. <laughs> he lost his first match at WWF to Road Dog you know which goes to show you know Road Dog bless him has never exactly been a ring general has he um, <laughs> but you know you look at what he's what he's achieved since then even just in this last last run which for me has been one of his most entertaining um, I think the aside best thing from his heel turn in yeah, he oh 2008 yeah. you know his sharp suit his slow speaking that, that was, was amazing that was, that, was that with Punk that was with punk and with Michaels.
1: Because that was another one that really sort of because they used the whole punk, alcoholic dad, and all that, didn't they?
0: Yeah, I mean, his stick on his stick on the mic is absolutely amazing. He's never ever been bad on the mic, and, and just... he knows
1: he knows when to stop. He, he never ever has nothing ever gets old because he doesn't let it become a thing that's saturated.
0: No, absolutely not.
1: He stops it and reinvents himself every single time.
0: I mean that's that's what he needed to do and he constantly every time he comes back, he goes away, he comes back and he's reinvented himself, like mm-hmm. he's saying. The list? He well, yeah. got a list over? He got a list over, he got scarves over, he got the phrase stupid idiot over. Yeah. This man can do anything. He's just amazing. Um but his debut, for me and Garth anyway is just unparalleled you know
1: it's perfect and it's not like I mean I've heard him say it a hundred times like that opening his debut that opening segment wasn't scripted and he talks for a good five minutes
0: yeah absolutely and you know they really did put him you know on the spot against The Rock you know on Raw, which at the time was you know just heating back up, you know pe- ratings were starting to fall back. Yeah. So it needed to be good, and it was. It was brilliant. You know, you look back, and it is. People still talk about it now. You know, people still talk about Jericho now. You know, look at the ovation he got when he transitioned into New Japan. You know, people know Jericho is a massive name. Massive name, and. Like I say, we all look back on that debut, that night in Chicago, Mm -hmm. and uh, we look back on it with massively fond memories. Brilliant. It's such a good promo as well. It really is. It really is. But ladies and gentlemen, that is our list. Do you agree with them? Probably not. But if you don't, please talk to us on social media, talk to us in the comments. Have you got any ideas for me and Garth to talk about on the five counts? You can follow us on Twitter, at WAM Podcast UK, or alternatively, you can follow at me at, at Real Rob Goodwin, and you can follow Garth. Where can we follow you, Garth? I'm at Drummer Jackson. There you go. You can also like the Facebook page for more wrestling content, polls, and debates. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to visit the website at www.wrestlingandmoreblog.weebly.com. Also, get your votes in for the Wrestling and More end-of-year awards. It's getting close to the end of the year now. We want to get our awards out by the 31st of December. You can vote for all the categories on Facebook and on the website. But until then, it's thank you from me and from Garth, and we'll talk to you guys soon. See you later.